the Philadelphia 76ers are no longer a dark horse to win the NBA Finals. Pains me to say it, but that's how I feel. Harrison Sanford for Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. Danny Green just finished playing Game 5 at Wells Fargo Center where the 76ers got booed off the court and got outplayed by the Raptors. As the series goes back to Toronto, it is now a 3-2 lead for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Raptors are getting every internet basketball fan and every down Sixer fan, maybe, queuing up Doc Rivers memes, James Harden memes, and also feeling a little bit more bold about their picks of Nikola Jokic for MVP. We'll talk about all that, and we'll start with the guy who was vying for MVP all season long and why I think his injury is more impactful than maybe he's even letting on. Joel Embiid. It's a torn ligament in his right thumb, his shooting thumb. And tonight did not play well. Another turnover-filled night since game one where he had zero turnovers. He's had four, six, five, and four turnovers. He didn't break the 30-point mark. He didn't hit that 27 and a half. I think his was his over-underline. I think it ended up finally being. But the most thing, the thing that I saw the most, and I think fans of the game or the fans of the Sixers have been watching, Joel Embiid is a moody person. And when he comes out with a certain mood, a certain intensity, it does have a trickle-down effect. And what we've seen from the Raptors in Game 4 and Game 5, they are coming out ferocious and intense. And the Sixers are having to play catch-up. And the Raptors are one team you don't want to play catch-up against because they will continuously play with effort, continuously play with intensity. And that's what we saw tonight. So the mood for Joel Embiid was not great. And you know what? I actually feel bad for Joel because. This man has developed his skills to a once in a generation type level. The step back jumpers, the fadeaways, everything that he could do on top of his dominance, you know, he worked hard on his game. And so to get to this moment in an MVP like season, to get to this moment, and all of a sudden, he's got this injury that. It's going to impact the way he plays. And I don't know. I can't say for certain that that's impacting his mood, but one would guess that is it. And so with his mood not being up to T, being where it needs to be for the team and for the, for the impact that you'd hope it would have on the team, it seemed to have a trickle-down effect. After the game, he discussed how he needed to be better. And he definitely needs to be better on the offensive side of the ball with those turnovers and being a little bit more efficient with the shooting, did not hit a three tonight. He also, and this is almost unexcusable, he needs to be better defensively. He got cooked a couple times by Pascal Siakam, got beat for a couple boards and finishes by Precious Achua. He absolutely has to dominate. There's no way around it, bad thumb or not, he absolutely has to dominate. And if it's not on the off, if it's not on both sides of the ball, it definitely needs to be on the defensive side of the ball. Shout out to him after the game. He said he was holding himself accountable, knows that he has to be better. And I expect him to be better. And maybe this was a wake-up call for him. You cannot let what is uh, hindering your game on the offensive side of the ball impact you defensively. But best believe the Raptors are well aware of his thumb injury, and I think it's going to have an impact on how I predict the Sixers to finish out the remainder of the playoffs. And we'll get to that soon. But with Joel Embiid not being himself, we go to the other guy who's going to be on a lot of memes over the next 48 hours, 
James Harden tonight, four of 11 from the field. Another turn, another night where he wasn't as efficient as you would want him to be, not just shooting the ball, but distributing the ball as well. Tonight, he had seven assists, five turnovers. Now, I know everybody is looking at the field goals and they're saying, oh, he needs to score 30 points. That's what James Harden does. That's what we knew and loved him for. I don't think he needs to be that for the Philadelphia 76ers. But what he needs to do is run the offense efficiently. Help Tobias Harris get shots. Help Tyrese Maxey get shots. Make sure Joel Embiid catches the ball in advantageous situations so that he could be the best version of himself. James Harden has not run the offense well. The past two games, he has not at all. Since game one, where he had 14 assists and one turnover. Game two, six assists, five turnovers. Game three, 10 assists, three turnovers. That was a good one. Game four, nine assists, four turnovers. Game five, seven assists, five turnovers. He absolutely needs to run this offense better, regardless of the structure of how the offense is, regardless of what the game plan is, regardless of the length that Nick Nurse is putting against him, and we're going to get to that in a minute. He has to run the offense better so that the offense could be where they're at. They lost the game tonight scoring 83 points. I don't like 83 points between Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Tyrese Maxey is almost is unacceptable when you consider the fact that James Harden has to score as well. And you got three pointers from Danny Green tonight. There is, and you got a three point from George Niang. I don't understand how they ended up with 83 points with James Harden as the point guard. That is unacceptable. And then I, I, I pretty much believe that's what the guys think. Harrison, can I hit you with now, a stat correction real quick? It was 88 points. Oh, excuse me. They scored 88 points. I don't know how the Philadelphia 76ers scored 88 points with Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and James Harden as a point guard. Totally unacceptable. That can't happen any way, shape, and form if you expect to be a title contender. It's on James Harden to run this ship better. It's on Doc Rivers to call better plays, get them in sets. You have to give a level of kudos and respect to Nick Nurse and their coaching staff and the length they have on that roster. But no way at all should you have 88 points with an opportunity to close out a series. And since we're there, you might as well get there. Closing out a series, Mr. Doc Rivers is now 3 of 11 in closeout games since 2015. Unacceptable. Point blank, period. Now, one of those reasons is the way they're guarding James Harden. First couple games, we saw Tyrese Maxey play very well because Nick Nurse was sending extra bodies at James Harden. That's not happening anymore. Now it's a lot more isolations. So, you know, I said James Harden might have had five turnovers tonight. I'm probably wrong because those times when he goes to the basket and he doesn't pick up the foul or he or, and, or he doesn't create an assist and it just turns into like the ball just floating in the air. Eventually the Raptors get it and they get a dunk or a three-pointer in the transition. Those are turnovers too. They don't count. They just go as like a missed field goal, but they, those are turnovers as well. So it's probably even more than five. At some point, the Sixers or James Harden, if not both, including Doc Rivers, need to realize that having James Harden attack OG Ananobi one-on-one at the top of the key with ball movement is not going to work. It's a failing, it's an experiment that's bound to fail multiple times it's not necessarily a shot on James Harden nobody expects him to be the prime player he is for 20 years for 10 years I mean it's a very hard thing to do but there are guys on the court that can't be attacked first play of the game first play of the, oh 
if you're listening to this, I know you probably saw this, and Cliff, my producer, probably knows this too. First play of the game, Danny, Danny, who's being guarded by Gary Trent Jr., sets the screen for James Harden. James Harden uses that screen. Now Gary Trent is guarding him. What does he do? He goes directly into the paint, step back in the mid-range, jumper, bucket. And it's like they never ran it again. It was, it was like, all right, that worked. Well, whatever, I'm James Harden or I'm James Harden. I could run, I could go, I could do this against anybody. They stopped going to their advantages. And I just don't understand why when James Harden's main goal or main job for the Philadelphia 76ers is to run the ship clean, run it like an elite point guard that you are. We all know he is. We all know his IQ is high. I would like him to use it throughout the duration of the game. He has the skill set. He has the IQ. Attack the mismatches. Create the mismatches when you have them. If Pascal Siakam is guarding you, it's okay to give up the rock to somebody else. Or if you still want to drive, make sure somebody else that you can attack is guarding you. It's very simple. But for whatever reason, they get caught up in the game. I don't know what it is. And again, I'm not an expert, but I see things that everybody else sees. He's going against matches sometimes that don't make sense, that don't give you the highest probability to score the ball. And defense is not the issue. They just have to score the ball. Again, you can't score 88 points in the playoff game when you have James Harden, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Tyrese Maxey on the court. It makes no sense. It just means you are not running at an optimal level for your offense. The point blank period. I can't accept any other fate than that. So part of it's on Joel, part of it's on Doc Rivers, part of it's on James Harden. Frankly, it's on the entirety of the team because the entire team lost. But obviously, when you get paid what you do, you have these labels as superstars, MVP candidates, top 10 coach of all time. You have to carry the weight of the burden. So now we have to turn to game six back in Toronto. Positive. It's on Thursday. They got some time to rest. Joel Embiid can get more comfortable with his thumb. Harden can look at some more tape. We'll, you know, we don't even know what's going on with his hamstring. We'll, he gets a couple more days. That's fine. One positive for Philadelphia 76ers, and unfortunately, I have to say this, they might do better there because they won't feel compelled to give Matisse Thibel minutes. Tonight was bad. It was out of place at times defense, offensively. He airballed a shot, had the brutal turnover, and put himself in bad position offensively. Defensively wasn't great. You know, I didn't think he was bad, but he wasn't great. And Doc Rivers, for whatever reason, felt compelled to play him in that. Oh, and he airballed two, and he missed two free throws, which you can't do. You, you just can't do, especially after airballing the three. For the second half, he put him back in. It was pretty much the same result until Doc put in George Niang. I think if you're the Sixers, you have to be kicking yourself. You absolutely have to be mad at yourself because you've had Matisse Thibel in your organization for God knows how long now, three years, I believe. You know his skill set. You know what he does well. You know what he does poorly. And you know more than anybody else how people will guard him, how he will, how he will be uh, game planned for in the playoffs. It's an absolute travesty because you've also had Isaiah Joe in the organization for two years now. Fans who don't get to see him up close and personal on a daily basis know exactly what Isaiah Joe does. He can shoot threes and he can play defense. 
but he just never got the time this season for whatever reason. And now he's not available for moments like this one where they would need him because Danny's not going to play well if he's playing 40. He could, but all likelihood, he's not going to play well if he plays 45, 40, 38 minutes. Just not who he's ever been in his career. He's usually around 20 to 27 minutes in a playoff series, maybe 30 in like his prime. You get you, you we know the type of personnel Danny is. We know the type of personnel Matisse Steibel is, and we know the type of personnel that uh Isaiah Joe is. So why wasn't he getting prepared for a moment like this when you know you need, especially with the Raptors, somebody you can hit shots and play defense? If you can't do one of those two, you are going to be exposed and exploited on the court to the point where they have to take you off. It's unfortunate. Maybe we'll see. Maybe it's more George Niang minutes, who I thought actually played well tonight. Um, could have been better defensively, but hit a three. I thought he was solid out there. But I think the Matisse Thibel minutes are so deflating because he's not going to hit. Hopefully he hit shots, but if he doesn't hit shots, I think it's very deflating for the team to see possessions go through him and they're not successful. He almost has to, he almost has to score from defense in order to make his moments out there more impactful. It's unfortunate, but we all knew who Matisse Thibel was. This is not a surprise. So it was very disheartening to see him, especially after not playing in Toronto. You would have thought he would have been able to make a play here or there, or really stood out as a spark plug, but didn't happen. But at the same time, you shouldn't be surprised. Now, as it pertains to game six, uh, in terms of a final result, I think the Raptors are now what uh, have a cliff 54% probability to 54% win the game. 54% probability on ESPN's BPI tracker. 54% probability. And I, frankly, I would not be surprised. That is a home crowd that's going to be very excited. Uh, they definitely are not beaten down. You know, that fan base is one, they're encouraged because of their history with the 76ers. And two, they know they're playing with house money. Scotty Barnes is not 100% healthy. Fred Van Fleet did not play. They are playing with house money, so they are going to cheer on the Raptors from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. There will be no booing. They're already proud of their team. The 76ers are coming in there with a world of pressure and something that they're going to have to be prepared for. Now, I would say this, and Danny and I said it, and I think George said it too when he came on the show right before the playoffs started. Playing against the Raptors is actually a very good thing for the Celtics. It's going to make them better. They're going to be stressed out with the level of de uh, defensive length the Raptors have, with the game plan switch that Nick Nurse has now instituted, especially with Fred Van Fleet being out, that all 6-7, all 6-8 lineup is very difficult for the Sixers to solve. I think it will make the Sixers a better team if they end up winning. I don't know if they're going to win game six. I can't call it right now. And I know game seven is going to be a dramatic experience one way or another for those Sixers, for the Sixers players, because the booze are going to come down if they're not playing well. And the booze will come down early. I was in that arena game seven last year, second round against the Hawks. The second day the fans started to see it go sideways, they booed them. And frankly, they had the right to, because there's no reason the series should be where it is at this moment. And if the series has to come back to Philadelphia for game seven, they are going to get booed the moment they are losing the game. And they should. It shouldn't have come to this. No way around it. You have all the yeah, an all star is out, is not playing. He's not suiting up. Scotty Barnes is hurt. He's not 100%. You have a Fred, OG Ananobi didn't even play the last couple of games of the season. 
Gary Trent Jr. was sick the first two games. Joel Embiid's injury is unfortunate, but it is not an excuse, and nor is it really a reason why they've lost this game. They got outplayed. They got out-hustled. They got outworked. And that can't happen. And I, don't, I, don't, I haven't lived in Philadelphia, but I've been there enough, and I know you're going to get booed if you get outworked. You can lose, you can lose if you don't have the skill. But if you lose because you got outworked, you're going to get your ass booed, and rightfully so. With that being said, I came into this postseason very optimistic. I always operate in optimism, and I know I've been complaining the entirety of this podcast so far because I am frustrated now, too, because now my expectations have changed for the Philadelphia 76ers. I always thought that if they won this series, I thought they were more, I thought that eventually they would win this series. They would have to go through a lot of coaching adjustments, things of that nature, and it would make them a better team. And once they became a better team because of what Toronto would do to them, I thought they had more talent than the Miami Heat. And then I thought, well, you know, I don't know if they could beat the Celtics. I don't know if they could beat the Nets, RIP to the Nets. Uh, but I thought they could beat the Bucs because I like the way that Embiid matches up with Giannis from a physicality standpoint. I think that's an important matchup. Giannis usually dominates. He's not dominating if Joel Embiid's guarding point blank, period. That's what I think. That's what I thought at least. I am now pessimistic that they'll get out the second round. I still think they'll win the series some way, somehow, because, again, the talent gap is too large, and 3-0 is, you can't. It just, you can't predict the team losing, three, being down 3-0, even though it feels there's a, there's a probability for it, for sure. But come second round, what I've seen from the Raptors, the Miami Heat can do with veteran leadership. And, again, it's not an excuse, but it, I guess it, there is a reason. Joel Embiid's thumb has taken away his swag. He's not barking at people anymore. He's not pushing people around. He is not instilling the fear that a guy like, he, like him would normally do. Oh, Raptors are too small for me. Throw me the ball in the paint. Push, push, lay up. Push, push, step back. He would kill him with force and touch. And now the touch is really not there anymore. Maybe that's because of the thumb. And I think that has detracted away from his forcefulness as well. He's just not as aggressive. He's more complacent in catching the ball. He's not, he's complacent with not catching the ball in places where he can dominate the game. He has a turnover here or there. He puts his head down, throws the ball away, kind of uh, admonishes a teammate here or there. And part of it's because of him because he, he's, his handle's a little bit off right now. And part of it's just because, you know, things happen. Either way, his swag is not there. And against Miami, against Eric Spolstra, against Bam Adebayo, somebody who claimed that he should have been the defensive player of the year, they are very keen on who Joel Embiid is and where he is limited. James Harden is not Houston Harden anymore. That's fine, I think. But now they actually might need him to be. And I don't think he could be that against the Miami Heat. He, could be, he can't be. I don't think he's going to be that against the Toronto Raptors. It all comes down to Joel Embiid, and he's not at the height of his powers, and he's not at the height of his swag. And his swag has a trickle-down effect. If you watch game four, if you watch game five, it's evident that his energy is contagious. And when he doesn't have it, it's contagious as well. And that's part of the reason why they lost. I hope I'm wrong. 
truly do. But I have to call it like I see it. I think they can't make I don't think they make it out the second round. And that's just unfortunate because Joel Embiid was operating at the height of his powers. And I thought with him leading the charge, they could beat anybody. But until he finds his swag back, bad thumb or not, I don't think they have a chance to get out the second round. Because Hart is not going to be that guy. Tobias Harris is not that guy. Tyrese Maxey, as great as he is, he does not have the size to be that guy. There's only one guy who could be him, Joel Embiid, and he's not there right now. He has to get it one way or another. And if he doesn't, season's a wrap. It's unfortunate to say that, but that's how I feel. Uh, maybe my thoughts will change. This is what happens when you get me on a post game right after the Sixers lose in the game that they should have won. <sighs> Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I'm Harrison Sanford filling in for my friend Danny Green. Hopefully we see him after they win this series and he could talk me off this uh, slant that I have right now. But I'm sure if you are a Sixers fan or if you just enjoy the sport of basketball, you probably feel the same way I do. Sixers are in a lot of trouble, not just in this series, but going forward. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please leave a five-star rating and give a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Inside the Green Room is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. Clifford Augustin is the producer and Marissa Rivez is the acting director for sports podcasts at SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts.